You are listening to the Power of Why podcast. The biggest thing that bridged the gap, I think, from like non-marketing Aaron to like marketing Aaron was the fact that every single thing I learned in those early days, I actually put in practice for myself as well. When I saw people making money on the internet selling information in various forms, I, I thought to myself, I can do that. I can write. I'll write an ebook, you know, I'll sell it. And I did. And then I would, and then I saw someone else, you know, doing an online group coaching program. And again, like this is so early days. And I thought to myself, I can do that. I can teach people <laughs> how to build virtual assistance businesses. Like, so I did yeah. a whole day course and, you know, ended up making a fair amount of money just from doing like passive revenue style kind of products. So everything I was learning, I was like putting into practice. And then when I was doing it for myself, that would attract more business because people would be like, wow, I love what you're doing with this course. Can you do it for me? Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Power of Why. My name is Naomi Hiley, and today I am here with the incredible Erin Vlasky. Erin, how are you doing today? I am doing so well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. I'm I'm beyond excited. We're recording this. It's actually June 1st today, which is insane. <laughs> I know. Erin uh, and I actually recorded this a while back. And so for a little bit of context, Erin talks a lot about how her dad gave her the Commodore 64 at six years old. <laughs> she talks a lot about this on her website, kind of her early entrance into the whole tech space. And one of the reasons why I really love listening to other interviews that you've done, the content that you share online is that you're such a fantastic storyteller. You lead with your why, you are so focused on community building as well. And I just I just love that and admire that in a person and a human being. And for, for you to actually integrate that into business as well is really fascinating. Erin is called on as an expert for a lot of marketing strategy, brand insights, community and social media building, content and SEO, which will will we'll explore today. And then for about 14 years, when she was starting out her career, she started a business and she was consulting with over 300 online businesses. She's worked with founders out in the US. She went back to corporate for a little bit and then now, you know, starting on her entrepreneurial journey again. Really looking forward to hearing what these transitions were like. She's also a gamer (laughs) and an active hiker. She goes hiking a lot with her family. So Thank you for being here, Erin. I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for such a lovely intro, too. <laughs> Whenever you read that, there's parts of that that don't even, you know, like I'm like, yes, that happened in this, in this <laughs> lifetime. <laughs> I would love for you to share a little bit about your origin story, maybe the things that I obviously couldn't cover. How you grew up, do you have siblings, um, where you grew up, that that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, thank you. So, I, um, you know, I, I, when I think back about my early days, my childhood, um, things like that, I, I had such a, like, in some ways, such a storybook childhood, you know, like, I grew up in the country, I was like outside, you know, every single day from morning till night, we didn't have a lot, our family, my, my parents were very young when they had us, um, both my sister and I. And as a result, like we didn't have a lot, but we didn't need a lot. You know, we, we had mm-hmm. the outdoors, we had the country, we had nearby lakes and streams. My dad would take us fishing and, you know, we were just a very outdoorsy connected family in that way. And I really, I really appreciated uh, that. And I actually think about that all the time when I think about my daughter, 
living in the city, I'm like, hmm, <laughs> which is why we hike so much. Um, I try to, you know, infuse a little of that out- outdoorsiness with her. But but yeah, so I just I had such a great childhood. My, my parents were extremely hardworking, uh, mm-hmm. which did mean that, you know, there were long days and, and uh, my sister and I didn't see them a whole lot, but we knew that they were working super hard to try to um, basically give us, you know, whatever they could. But what was interesting is, is like I watched them as two of my obviously earliest role models. I watched them go from being very young parents, not having a lot, having, um, you know, blue collar jobs. Um, they reeducated, they, you know, would work and go to school at the same time. They uh, worked really, really hard to kind of evolve their own careers. And both of them ended up, you know, in VP style positions, very corporate eventually, but it took some time. And so I think the the, the blend of having a very humble beginning and mm-hmm. also having very ambitious parents was really interesting, you know, because sometimes those two things don't always combine, but it was just really magical. And so my parents were great. Like they, they always told my sister and I, you know, you can be whatever you want. You can try different things. Uh, they, like when I wanted to, you know, for example, peel birch bark off of trees and then go sell it to nearby neighbors, um, which let's not talk about the environmental <laughs> impact of that. But um, I was little. Anyway, How are you selling this? Decorative. I don't even know. I was really little and we had That's like funny. a ton of nearby cottagers. So my sister and I would literally go into the woods and we would collect this birch bark. We'd get moss, like little, you know, moss kind of clippings. Yeah. We would get unique rocks and then we would literally put them in these little boxes and we'd go door to door to all of the cottagers and sell <laughs> this like stuff that they could easily go if they really wanted it and source it themselves. The people bought it, you know, I mean, obviously we weren't selling it for a lot, but uh <laughs> you know, it was, and, and my parents encouraged it when we wanted to do like bake sales and we wanted to do, we, we, we were doing like lemonade stands and we lived on a highway <laughs> in the country, <laughs> like no cars drove by, them. but they still encouraged it. And I think that was probably, you know, the thing I take away, if, if I only take away a couple of things from my childhood, I definitely think it was that it was the fact that I, I recognized in myself that I was very entrepreneurial from a very early age. Um, but also my parents, you know, even though they themselves weren't entrepreneurs, they still nurtured it and they still let that grow and blossom. And um, I think in a lot of ways, they were really great at enabling that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, eventually, and then my parents like worked really, really hard. Uh, they moved us out of the really small town, got us closer to the city so we could have a few more opportunities and access to resources and things like that. Um, but yeah, just watching them, I think, you know, if I, again, if I just take one thing from my childhood, it's honestly just having two role models who showed me that hard work, you know, pays off and, um, that it can unlock different things for you, even if you don't start with like, you know, that as your begin as your very early beginning. So. Mm. I, I love the origin story question because I think it, whether you're able to draw like clear threads or not, it really gives like great insight into how you unconsciously make decisions. Um, and because I'm so curious, you know, with your, the start of your first business, 
you tried out a lot of different things. If people are curious, Erin um, documented a lot of that on YouTube, which I'll have in the show notes. Um, but you tried a lot of different things in, in the marketing space, worked with a lot of different uh, businesses, put yourself out there. And so I'm wondering how that translated to exploring that as a career option and you were like in your early 20s, right? Mm-hmm. When you started your business. So can you yeah. bring us back to then and, and talk a little bit about what it was like building a business? Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, it's interesting. I I always sort of knew that I, I wanted to be a CEO and, you know, owner of my own kind of company, but I didn't necessarily know what it looked like. And honestly, I didn't even, it wasn't like I in high school was like, I'm going to be a marketer, you know, like I wasn't like, I am passionate about marketing. And, and I think sometimes we put a lot of pressure on folks at that age to figure out, you know, exactly, you know, what they want to be when they grow up and they have to have it all figured out. I didn't really know I had visions. And so, you know, like I, in high school, I had like this one vision where I, I wanted to live in New York, exposed brick walls, you know, in, in my in my little loft apartment. And I wanted to like work in an ad agency. So I had visions of what I wanted, but um, I found many of the times, like the things I was often dreaming about were, you know, things I was probably pulling from like movies and TV and stuff like that. Right. Uh, and so when I, when I actually made the decision to go to school, I, I chose advertising and public relations and did that. Um, but then I was like, I was in school and I'm thinking to myself, I don't want to do this. <laughs> like I don't, not the profession. I just didn't want to do school because I was, I was so eager to just get out in the world and work and start, you know, just, just doing, I didn't want to sit and study. Right. Like for me, I was, I'm like, that's, that's like four years of my life that man, like I could go, I could go out and, and work and meet people and and learn way more. And so I ended up leaving after the first year. And then I went, when I came back to Ottawa, cause I went to Kingston. Um, so when I came back to Ottawa, my, my, my mom was working at a private college at the time. And she said to me, she's like, listen, just get a piece of paper. Okay. Like (laughs) just come to the, come to the school, get it a piece of paper, at least you'll have something. And so I decided to do that. I did a four month business administration program. And when I was there, there was a, uh, so the, the school is Willis college. Um, it's a, a private college here in Ottawa. And the school at the time was run by a female CEO. Some people may know her. Uh, her name's Rima aristocrat. And when I met her and, you know, she was like a second mom to me, like, for many, for many, I mean, she still is, but like, she was definitely at that period of time. But when I met her, I was, I just looked at her sitting in her office, you know, and I was like, I want that, (laughs) whatever that is, this essence, like, yes, strong female CEO, super inspiring. I want that. What do I need to do? So after the program ended, the school actually ended up hiring me on to do um, their public and uh, public and internal relations, which was amazing. Like she, Ms. Aristocrat, literally took this like massive chance on hiring this like, you know, eighteen-year-old, <laughs> just like kid who was like, I can do this, I can do whatever. <laughs> and and then she put me in the classroom, so I was teaching, um, you know, the students and. Many, in many cases, these were adults getting re-educated. So I was teaching people double my age. They'd walk in and be like, where's our teacher? (laughs) Because I looked 12 and I'm like, hello. 
<laughs> Welcome to the classroom. But anyway, all that to say, so I'm, I'm, I'm there, I'm working, I'm in this environment. I've got this incredible, you know, female CEO as an example. And it was there that I just decided, I was like, you know what? I, why not start something, right? Like mm-hmm. it was 2004. So pre everything on the internet, it felt like, however, I just did a Google search and I was looking for like online executive assistant, online, you know, um, administrative assistant, like whatever, whatever the case might be. And, uh, happened to come across a website of a virtual assistant in the U S and we hadn't, we didn't have a lot of VA, like virtual assistant companies in Canada at that time. So yeah, I just decided that that was the business I was going to start. I was like, that looks doable. I could probably do all of that. And so I put a website up started bidding on projects on elance.com, which is now um, Upwork and landed some clients. And then next thing I knew, like six months later, I had a full roster and I was making more than I was making in my full-time job. So with Ms. Ms. A's blessing, I was like, all right, I'm going to go do this thing. And, uh, And then, yeah, so I think it was, it was kind of that combination of Yes, there was a part of it related to the profession. I was definitely drawn to advertising and public relations, but more so it was just like the essence of like, I want to be her. <laughs> so what do I need to do to do that? Got it. Yeah. That's really interesting. And how did you get into helping people with their marketing activities, brand development? And so how did that tangibly work into you offering that to businesses as well? Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting. Um, when I was at the college, the the work that I was doing there as a public relations advisor is, was very like traditional media, uh, traditional okay. PR. Yeah. I gotcha. So like I was doing like press releases and internal newsletters and things like that. So what ended up happening was my very first client that I got from Upwork was a, uh, a startup founder in Silicon Valley. And he was selling an ebook online and making five figures a month with this ebook. And I remember thinking to myself as a very small town, you know, <laughs> girl who did not realize the power of the internet. And, and again, 2004 was a very different time. Yeah. This is like yeah. Facebook, you know, pre-Twitter, everything. But when I saw this guy like selling an ebook and making like, you know, over five figures a month, I, w- I remember just thinking like, okay, I need to figure out what this guy's <laughs> doing. Like this, this is curious. I want to make money on the internet too. So how is he doing this? And so my curiosity, like in those early days with my clients really led to me, um, absorbing and learning everything I could from people like him. And, and he was honestly incredible. He's gone on to like build really big businesses, sell them. And now he lives in New Zealand doing mostly philanthropic work. And it's just like, he's an incredible human being. But in those early days, we were the same age and he would just teach me everything. So he taught me how to market, how to acquire customers, how to, mm. you know, set up Google ads, uh, how to, you know, just everything he was doing to basically run that business. And he brought me along for the ride. So we moved from that business to, to growing it, to being a, a, you know, a bigger business. We then got acquired by, or not acquired, but we got an investment from a VC firm out of Charlotte. So then I was, I was like flying down to Charlotte a lot and, and then I was learning from their team, which like they had mm-hmm. a team of 150 people that were just incredible. And so it was sort of this, I chose clients where I just could learn a lot. And, and thankfully I had clients who were willing to teach me as well. 
and I absorbed everything. I was super curious. But the biggest thing, the biggest thing that bridged the gap, I think from like non-marketing Aaron to like marketing Aaron was the fact that every single thing I learned in those early days, I actually put in practice for myself as well. When I saw people making money on the internet, selling information um, in various forms, I, I thought to myself, I can do that. I can write, I'll write an ebook, you know, I'll sell it. And I did. And then I would, and then I saw someone else, you know, doing an online group coaching program. And again, like this is so early days. And I thought to myself, I could do that. I can teach people <laughs> how to build virtual assistance businesses. Like, so I did yeah. a whole day course and, you know, ended up making a fair amount of money just from doing like passive revenue um, style uh, kind of products. So everything I was learning, I was like putting into practice and then when I was doing it for myself, that would attract more business because people would be like, wow, yeah. I love what you're doing with this course. Can you do it for me? And so it was just like this cyclical thing, but it all yeah. started with just an enormous amount of curiosity and a willingness to experiment and try and putting myself out there like as much as humanly possible. And I think that's really where a lot of the, you know, the learn the early learnings for me kind of came from. Hey there. Thanks for tuning into this episode. If you are enjoying the conversation, make sure to share it with a friend. Take a screenshot, spread the word. It really allows me to bring on more incredible guests as we continue to level up in the podcasting space. That's so cool. That's the best position that you can put yourself in. Because I think, too, like even when you're reading, if you don't then explain it to other people or try to then like write an article, for example, or write a post about it, making it more tangible mm -hmm. to, um, to like your line of thinking and how you see the world as well, as fast as you read it, it's gone. Just the fact that you were able to do that so actively um, at a young age, that was you building muscles, you know, mm -hmm. around habit building of what this could be. And then also you touched on working in public, like you've applied it to your own business. You also share a lot online. So I think that helps to have people be attracted to what it is that you're working on and building yeah. and they want to be a part of that too, right? I'd love to get into the storytelling aspect of yeah. your work. And and before that, I, you know, you worked for a couple companies before you recently went back into um, entrepreneurship mm -hmm. and you're now working on like things that you want to be working on right <laughs> at the end of the day and so I'm, I'm wondering if you could shed light on what's different this time around how you're building like with intention yeah I'm really curious about that yeah yeah oh wow so the the two businesses are so are it's just so night and day different you know and and in some ways I, it's in like, yeah, the whole journey is fascinating. So let me just, uh, fascinating for me. I don't mean it's fascinating. Like, wow, everyone's going to be fascinated, but like, it's fascinating <laughs> for me specifically because I just, let me backtrack. So what happened was at the beginning of this year, basically over the Christmas holidays, I made the decision to, that I was, I needed to quit my job. I, I knew that, you know, I wasn't happy, uh, in the role. And that was mostly because there wasn't, there wasn't enough of the things I loved inside of it. And so what I mean by that specifically is I'm a people person. I'm community. You know, I love community. I love connecting with humans. And what I didn't know before I joined a software company full time is that in a lot of ways, you're, you're really heads down. You're heads down in your work. You are, you know, doing a lot of great work. You're achieving a lot of results, like whatever that looks like, but it's not necessarily community oriented. So 
Whereas if I contrast that with the, my time at the startup accelerator, that was all community, like all people, all community, very. That's where we met actually, um, was through. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I loved it there. You know, I really did. And so, you know, but like, like anything you need to, you need to bring in change in your life and try new things on. And, and so what I realized there was just all of that, that I was like, you know, if I really asked myself, I was like, I could be happier. I could be more fulfilled. So I just decided I was quitting the job. Like I, I, I was like, okay, I have nothing lined up. I don't know what life looks like next. I have no idea where my career is going and I'm okay with all of that. Like I'm okay, but we need to quit the job to, to move to the next step. So I did that. And then I, I remember putting it out on LinkedIn that I'd quit and I ended up booking over the next three weeks, 70 plus phone calls. And so I'm not joking. Like I literally logged them all in my CRM. I needed to actually create a whole notion board just to like track (laughs) all the conversations I was having. But basically I I just, I decided I was like for three weeks, I'm going to stay as open as possible to anything full-time, part-time contract, you know, projects, like whatever it might be. I'm going to just, I'm not saying yes to anything, but I'm going to just three weeks, listen to it all and then make some decisions. And it was such a fun three week period, very tiring. Honestly, I was exhausted at the end of every day, but really an interesting time to just let myself like be very, you know, uh, kind of introspective. And, and what came of that was I realized I didn't necessarily want to do a full-time job again. I was a little, you know, obviously a little like nervous about committing to something else and it maybe not being the right fit again. And I thought, okay, if I contract and, you know, do some work with specific companies, I can assess if any of these are, you know, the best fit. And if they are, like, I can always decide to join full-time if I wanted. But I started saying yes to some really cool projects. And it wasn't like, I wasn't, you know, it wasn't this path of, I'm going to start a business, I'm going to get everything in order, then I'm going to, like, market myself, and then I'm going to say yes to projects. Like, no, it, it was, like, <laughs> literally backwards. So I was, like, started to say yes to things started invoicing people. And then I was like, okay, it like looking at the projections, if I just assume everything's going to go the same, I need to incorporate because, you know, we want those tax savings. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, we got to get that in order. So I quickly incorporated, which meant that I needed to come up with a name from the incorporation. So pulled that out of the air, which is like the worst branding advice I could possibly give anyone. Don't do that. I, I did that. But anyway, so picked a name, got incorporated, hired, got that stuff in place, bank accounts, credit cards, you know, all the stuff I needed for the business and flipped over the, the, the invoicing, started saying yes to a couple more projects. And then I was like, okay, cool. So I have a business, you know, and it's like, <laughs> this happened back to me pretty well this year. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, okay, cool. And the projections are great for this year. So this is awesome. And then literally right after I was like in the middle of setting all of that stuff up, I found out I was pregnant. Yeah. Um, Which, yeah, so surprising because long story short, like I've been struggling with infertility my whole life and my daughter is 10 just to show you like the time between. And, you know, I've had eight miscarriages. So like for me, like pregnancy was, you know, obviously it's like something that's been showing up in my life, but it's not something I was ever like, this is going to happen. Um, Yeah, I was pregnant. Not only did I find out I was pregnant, but I also had the worst first trimester of life. I was so sick. <laughs> You're really <laughs> nauseous, eh? 
Oh my gosh. It was so bad. So here I am like building this, whatever it is thing, this business and also finding out that I was pregnant. And then I was, I was sort of put into this position of like, okay, well, you know, like every other pregnancy, I just have to take it one day at a time. It could end at any time. Like, we'll just, we'll just keep going with that. Um, but in when, just going back to the projects, like I, I basically made a rule that I was just saying yes to things where the people were the, mm. were people I wanted to work with. That's it. it. Didn't, I didn't really care so much about like what the work was, what the structure was. I just wanted to say yes to good humans and surround myself with like really good people. And that's what I started saying yes to. So that was really great. And yeah. And anyway, so I found out I was pregnant and then I decided I was like, okay, I had a vision, you know, before finding out I was pregnant of what I might want this business to be maybe because again, I'm in a year right now. Like I'm calling 2021, like the try things on year, the, you know, like, (laughs) well, we'll see what comes out of this year year. Like I have no idea. Um, I just want to say yes to things that make me happy. And when things don't make me happy, I want them out of my life as quickly as they came in. (laughs) That is my rule. (laughs) If you enter and you're bad, you're out. (laughs) That's it. Um, So a very large force field (laughs) around me this year, which is kind of funny because like also when you're pregnant, you kind of have that feeling anyway, like where you're, you're cocooning a little and, and you're yeah. also very protective of like yourself and the baby. And anyway, so it kind of always like, you know, happening and serendipitous and things and, and saying yes. And yeah, it's just, so it, when you ask me like, what does this look like? What, how is it different? I think in a lot of ways stumbled into this in other ways, it's so familiar, you know, it is what I was doing before, just different, but I also don't want to do much this year around scaling the business or growth or whatever else I'm good. I'm, you know, I'm working like 20 to 25 billable hours a week. I I fill the rest of my time with other things I love doing. I have time to spend with my kid. I love that. I'm going for like three walks a day, which is great when you're pregnant. Um, so I don't know, like this year is like a tried on year, you know, and it's different. I want to be more sustainable. I don't want to burn out. I don't want to get jaded. Like I was in business one. I got so jaded and cynical. I don't want to do any of that. So I'm trying really hard to just like every day needs to be a heck yes, you know? And if it's not, I got to call away whatever is taking away from that. That's a really so I know powerful I just place to be. About a lot of things. No, that's a really powerful place to be in, Erin. And congratulations on um, your pregnancy. I can't imagine what going through that over the over a number of years has been like mentally, physically, um, in all aspects. And for you to like, if you're curious about her pregnancy journey, um, I'm also going to put links to that uh, where you can learn more. Um, <laughs> but it's it's tough, and for you to continue and keep trying and take things day by day is is just very beautiful it's very beautiful and I love how you're putting in place boundaries because this is like for you to design a life where you have time to do all of the things that you you just stated is really powerful and it's because you defined what you want it to look like and so Mm -hmm. I hope it continues to be like this (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and I'm curious if you can talk about the storytelling aspect, like for folks who are a good chunk of my audience are between like 22 to 35 around Mm -hmm. that age. A lot of them are are, are really interested in 
like our creatives love working on their own thing for folks who maybe struggle with the early stages of building a brand even like defining what it is that you stand for what it is that you want to work on uh, i'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about about that what you've learned over the years yeah yeah for sure and and i want to start with you know why i think storytelling is so important because i think I think it's sometimes when we think about building a personal brand or we think about being on social or we think about, you know, connecting with community, oftentimes we have the wrong conversation around it. Like sometimes like there's more of a, well, what will it get me? Or, you know, what can mm -hmm. I achieve with the community or the connections or whatever it might be. And, and, and those things, sure. Like, yes, if you are a member of a community for any length of time, if you build a community, there's going to be things that happen as a result of that. Like that's yes, sure. But I think what's more important is that, and I really need to go back to like high school for a minute. So I, I had a terrible high school experience. Like if they needed to do up a, you know, movie of, of a, the worst high school experience, I'm sure they could take mine and, and, and put it into one of those teen dramas like it was just awful and like the one thing that happened in high school was that there was a boy in the high school who started an i hate aaron fan club and that was i would say a a, a defining moment <laughs> for me in my life because i realized that for as much as you can feel like you belong somewhere there mm -hmm. is the exact opposite of that where you feel like you do not belong at all. And I think in a lot of ways, I grew up very mature for my age. And so I always felt, um, and that was as a result of growing up with nothing and having to step up. And, you know, like there was, th the re there was reasons that, that happened, but I always just felt like I didn't quite fit in. That feeling, you know, and having it, it it's so pervasive in high school and, and like literally written out on a piece of paper and I hate, I hate Aaron fan club where the guy petitioned people to sign it, you know, like, when I think back to that, I mean, not like, that's just on, like, he's an awful person in general yeah. to do something like that. But when I think back to the feeling and the lack of, of feeling that belonging, I just never want to feel that ever again. And so if I fast forward now to the future and I think about storytelling, the reason that I share that specific story with you is, is because I look at storytelling. I look at connection on the internet. I look at building community. I look at sharing my own life experiences as a way to create belonging for others. That's it. And that doesn't always mean that I'm creating a container or a space or a Slack channel or, you know, like a physical manifestation of it. It, it could be as something as simple as just literally sharing a more open, vulnerable story on, you know, YouTube or Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or wherever. But it just means that if I share my story, and I'm willing to be vulnerable and I'm willing to open up about the things I'm worried about or stressed about or feeling or happy about finding contentment or whatever it is that other people who are watching that and connecting with that content can feel the same thing. And they can think to themselves, like, I'm not alone, you know, and if I think back to like high school, Aaron, had I had access to resources or YouTube at the time where I could go and find other people who are struggling with something similar, I may not have been as depressed as I was through high school. I may not have had as many suicidal thoughts as I had in high school. You know, it's very possible that that could have been different. And so I think about that a lot. And for me, 
the, again, the connection is never, what am I getting out of this? It's not like, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm going to be YouTube famous. Like, I don't care. <laughs> like, none of that matters. Like, the vanity metrics honestly don't matter. What matters more is when I get that comment or that message, the DM from someone where they're, they say to me, oh my gosh, I feel the same way. And, you know, I've never had anyone describe it that way before. Or I felt really alone. I'm so glad to be connected. And that that right there, the whole like creating belonging for others is exactly why I tell stories. It's exactly why I like do, I love personal branding, but again, not because I'm like, I want to be internet famous. It's really about like, I just want to connect with people who are going through something similar as me. Mm-hmm. I can lean on them. They can lean on me. We can have a real human connection, even if it's on the internet. So I think that for me is the power of storytelling. And And I think for a lot of people, I think they get a little nervous about well, you know, they'll say things to me because I I teach about this stuff all the time. I talk about it, et cetera. But people will always say, well, I don't want to tell everything. I don't want to like, I don't want to be that vulnerable (laughs) or that open. And you don't have to be. It's a barometer. I'm very open. I have no, like no holds barred, whatever. I'm a human being. I'm going to screw up all over the place. I'm going to share my mistakes. And that's fine. That's my, that's my version, but like it can look different and you can still choose the things that you share and you can still choose how you want to show up. So long as you just keep in the back of your mind, if the, one of the goals, maybe not the only goal, but one of the goals could be creating belonging for others, creating that sense of like that they, someone else isn't alone in their life experience. And, but yeah, that's, I think that's why I gravitate toward it. So, so strongly is it's just like probably trying to heal my old wounds, <laughs> you know, of like, aren't we all? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Whether you're conscious of it or not. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And you, you just described quite eloquently, you know, the power of keeping your why at the forefront. And I think a lot of, well, I don't want to speak for a lot of people, but, you know, some folks start off with that intention and then it kind of gets lost in the muck, right? And then it becomes just about the numbers. It becomes about growing to like be the biggest account and unintentionally, intentionally, that kind of strips the life of your content where it's not really human anymore. It's not really relatable because you're always optimizing for what's going to perform the best, right? And that's tough to navigate um, <laughs> when you're in an industry that is so much about, you know, measuring the analytics and how well this performed yeah. and whatever, whatever. When you were developing like for your current, you, you, I feel like you avoided every opportunity to call it a business. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Perforated <laughs> Aaron. <laughs> this thing. No, I'm joking. This it thing. is a business. It's a business. It has a business name and a business bank account. It's a business. <laughs> it's a business. When you were sitting down and, and, and like I, I looked at your website again just to see like what you're offering as services. When you were ironing out all of those details, marketing is so vast, right? Yeah. I'm wondering from the brand perspective and from the storytelling perspective, how you were able to become such a great writer and really communicate in a way that describes what it is you're trying to say. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that aspect of of your work as well and how people can then apply that in their own, whether they're building a business, whether they're building a podcast, whether they're doing a blog? Yeah. So I, I always like think about 
you know, when I'm writing, and thank you, by the way, for saying that you read the website and like it. I'll be completely honest. The, the website that I have up today is not necessarily, even that was one of those things that in the middle of that whole kind of yeah. chaos, I literally sat down and like updated it quickly. And, and because in a lot of ways I'm using this year to define what I, what I want to do and like where my true passions lie and I'm experimenting and playing and, you know, I likely won't update that again until uh, I really understand what it is. So thank you for saying that. Cause that was done very hastily. So I'm glad it, it's at least resonating. I think like my approach to writing always, and this is like, this is true, whether I'm writing for a client or whether I'm writing for myself, um, my approach is like, it, it's a couple things. So the first is like to deeply understand who I'm talking to. And that, that requires like a, a little bit of research, right? I, I need to go and understand who is it that I serve and what's important to them and what are their values? What are their pain points? And really understanding all of the nuances of that is really helpful. So I, I really try to get to know the, the customer or the audience or the client or whatever word you want to insert there. So that's kind of step one. And then after that, I try to actually use as many of their own words as possible. So when I am doing those kind, kind of like, you know, those inquiry conversations, I, I, I talk to a lot of people. So I'll talk to people who are looking, for example, to hire a marketer and I'll ask them, like, what are some of the things that you're afraid of? Like, what are you looking to get out of hiring a marketer? What do you hope to achieve? And as I'm, I'm taking like furious notes, as I'm taking those notes, I try to actually take that copy specifically and weave it back into the copy I'm writing. I did this as well when I worked at the last startup I was at. So I, I, you know, I read through tons of customer surveys and customer conversations and, you know, the different at, like resources we had accessible to us. And I was able to cherry pick out things that they said that were really emotional versus, oh, this feature is great, right? Like, meh, that's not going to connect with someone. But if they said something like, oh my gosh, I'm so overwhelmed and this tool helps me to feel more prepared at work, let's mm -hmm. say they said something like that, like that is like more interesting to me than I was able to sync my to-dos. Like, <laughs> like, cool. Like, sure. Still, still great. But it's like not going to make that person like stop and be like, I'm overwhelmed. I want to feel more prepared at work too. And so I always think, I always look for those kinds of things. But again, I look in their own words because I feel like that's really powerful. And then what I do from there is instead of trying to write to the masses, uh, because that is so challenging to do, because then you're thinking about too many opinions, too many people, too many like, okay, what if this person doesn't like it said this way? And you know, no, think about like one person. But just one. And I actually will think about a, a real human being. Like I'll think about someone I've connected with on Twitter or someone I know and, and, and I write to them. Again, that's it. I just think, okay, if I'm just writing to them, what would I say? How would I phrase it? You know, it's blending that with also who do you want to attract? And for me, I don't want to attract any clients who are like stuffy. I don't want any clients who are too formal. You have to be willing to have a little bit of fun. You have to be willing to be like a chill person. If you're like not chill, I don't want you, you know, like I'm like, there's other people that are better, but will better serve you. You need to be chill. You need to understand that we're not, we're not saving lives here. We're doing marketing. It's important, but it's not brain surgery. And so I, I really look for those people. So I think about that when I'm writing copy as well. I'm like, okay, like, let's make sure that I 
if I use some like words in my, in my writing or if, if I'm speaking and I drop a bunch of likes, you know, cause I do that all the time, even though I'm trying not to use as many, but I want people to be okay with that. I want them to be okay with me showing up in my t-shirt with my daughter walking into a potential like call that we're on and not freaking out. So if they're that kind of people, I don't want them resonating with my copy, but it really all starts with customer conversations and research. Like you have to know your people big time, know who you're talking to. That's huge. And that's the first step of a design thinking process is to be able to empathize and like do your research, understand what their problems are, like everything that you've outlined. Great tip on talking to one person. So you do that even if you're writing a tweet, like any piece of copy. So cool. All the time. Everything. Yeah. Cause I always just think like if, you know, if I, if I'm, if my goal is to make someone feel connected and less alone in the experience, I don't want them to feel like I'm writing to the masses. Like I don't want them to feel like I'm writing to a whole group of people. And I'll give you a prime example. When I'm talking a lot online about my pregnancy, um, it, it would be really easy for me to get in my head about like, ooh, I'm talking about like a lot of TMI stuff. What if people are weird about this? What if like the men in my feed, and I know I'm general, I'm stereotyping, like there's a lot of men that are very okay, my fiance included with like all the pregnancy talk. But I'm just saying for the most, like if I got in my head about like, maybe that might bother them. Oh my gosh. Like I should tone this down. I would miss, you know, the opportunity for that real connection. So I usually just think of like one person in my community who's showed up, who's made me feel great, who I've, you know, connected with as well. There's been a reciprocation of good feelings and like, you know, good vibes. And I usually think about them and I think like, okay, let's just write as I'm writing to them. And I pick different people all the time. So I find that that's really helpful. It sounds like it because even when you are doing videos or writing an article, you can get really specific about what you want to touch on because you're right. Like, otherwise people are going to be like, Erin's not talking to me. (laughs) She's included all these other things in in an effort to include everyone. And honestly, I think if you do write for one person, you will reach more people. Mm -hmm. Weirdly enough. It's way more connected. Mm-hmm. And because someone's going to read that, right? And they're going to think to themselves, it feels like it's speaking to me, right? As an individual versus, you know, it's like, it, like, think about it this way. Like when you get an email newsletter from someone and it's like, hello, everyone, you know, like I get it. Like in an age where we also like, it's hard sometimes to get everyone's first name and then personalize it. Like I get it. Like sometimes it's easier to not put up the illusion that you're also sending a personalized one-to-one email. I understand that. But it does hit different when you get like the like, hey, everyone versus the like, hey, Aaron, or even, you know, sure, like if you can't use hey, Aaron, just leave that out and go straight into the the copy, you know, and, and just talk to me like I'm a person. Again, I'm gonna know you're sending out a new (laughs) still want to feel like the the text was like, potentially, you know, written for me. me. (laughs) Yeah, you know, um, just let me have the little moment. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Great. Um, Erin, you're amazing. You know, I'm going to tell you that every time because you were just so (laughs) focused on community and even the way that we connected two years ago, I think at this point, it was about that. It was about community building. It was about um, building in Ottawa as well. Yeah. So I'm I'm so excited that we had a chance to do this. And um, I'm curious before we wrap up the episode around not necessarily a trend, but what are some, like, what's one thing in marketing right now that is really resonating with you that you really love? 
Hmm, that's a great question. So I'm actually gravitating deeply towards content specifically. So I am I'm very bullish on organic marketing versus using only paid acquisition as a means to like do acquisition. So I have always been really bullish about organic. So things like content, SEO, organic social, all of those kinds of things. Community building is obviously very organic as well. And so what I what I'm it's both a trend, but also something I love is just leveraging content and leveraging your social platforms, whatever it might be to do that level of connection with people that isn't transactional. It's not like, here's an ad, buy my stuff. Okay, cool. We're done. But really building those deep relationships with your potential audience, whether they're customers yet or not. I, I really love that aspect. And it just so happens that like with all of the changes that are happening in the security space right now around marketing, things like retargeting through paid ads is going to be incredibly difficult. And a lot of marketers that have relied solely on paid acquisition as a means to get all of their users or audience or whatever, they're going to have a lot more difficult of a time to do that. It just so happens that like the thing I'm the most passionate and bullish about is going to be coming back in <laughs> vogue in a big way because it's going you know, marketers can't rely on the quick tricks and the like fast, like, okay, I'm just going to pop up an ad for this. They will have to be a bit more intentional about their marketing. And I am here for here that. For it. <laughs> here for I am that. too. <laughs> like, be more intentional, please. <laughs> Pretty please. I will love it. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's like a trend and a like, just, yeah, a good alignment right now. Thanks yeah. for sharing that. Thanks for sharing your story with us, Erin. I'll have all the links for where you can connect with Erin online and <laughs> you. Yeah. be a part of her community and we'll catch you in the next episode. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode. If you enjoyed it, please drop us a review on iTunes with a brief note about your thoughts of the show. We publish new episodes of the podcast every single week. Until then, thank you so much for listening.